we are back with the emergency goalies and obviously we were talking about a more challenging week coming up for the Blackhawks and that's exactly what happened. A couple games against the Wild. That the first one, the Wild just dominated. Yeah, that was ugly. That was ugly. The second one, the Blackhawks were winning, but kind of faded at the end and the Wild stormed back and tied it late and then won in overtime. Then they played the Avalanche. And not surprisingly, that did not go well. But they faced a more evenly matched Red Wings team. And, well, that was exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the two games with Minnesota, you know, the, the Hawks really needed to come out of there with probably two or three points to kind of keep up that their, their streak and their hopes of, um, you know, getting back into it. They talked a big game the last week or two about the players not giving up and that sort of thing. But uh, those two losses followed by another division loss against Colorado um, really puts a damper on any of those hopes. And it's just, it's, it's going to be really tough to overcome lapses like that. And, you know, especially since they're going to be playing Colorado again tomorrow. So <laughs> it, it uh, isn't it. Well, and then I think they actually play Minnesota again next week as well. So it's, it's not going to let up any, any from here. Um, but they did get the nice, uh, nice win in Detroit. Um, kind let's of uncharacteristic stop. for Derek yeah, King's stop. team, but. Stop for a minute here. They scored eight goals. Eight goals. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know where that came from. Unfortunately, that was a game that I did not get to see. Um, I only watched the, the condensed game. Um, oh, let me, let me tell you, um, the Red Wings goalies helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw, I saw the, uh, you know, all the, the goals and the highlights and yeah, a few of them were definitely soft and, um, I did notice that both goalies <laughs> didn't end up with very good save percentages and that, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's nice to see Dylan Strom breaking out of his early season slump. Um, he's been a very nice surprise over these last few weeks. Seems to have finally gotten out of the doghouse. Um, he's improved his face-offs tremendously. Um, his numbers are almost as good as Taves at this point, um, which is a very pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's obviously getting the opportunity to work with Patrick Kane. Um, that's certainly going to um, Make you know, improve, improve your, your odds for scoring some goals. And Hey, you know, he got his first career hat trick and I believe the, the Hawks first hat trick of the season, uh, although yeah, Brinkett um, might've had one earlier. I think he did. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I mean, the the Blackhawks struggle to score three goals and to have one guy score three goals and the team score eight. Um, yeah, that definitely came out of nowhere, but yeah, you know, obviously that's the type of win that uh, you need to get every once in a while. Yeah. But I was going to say, it got a little hairy too. Mm-hmm. Giving up the lead. They were yeah, scored seven. four in the first and then give up three in the second. Yep. Kind of a, the opposite of what this team usually does. It's kind of funny with um with Strom that it's almost like 
we were talking about this a little bit, but you want to trade him and he, but if he keeps playing like this and maybe you don't want to trade him. I mean, it, it at least gives you the option of deciding if, you know, a decent offer doesn't come around, you can always bring him back next year and hope maybe that, you know, if he can, can keep, keep up the improved play, maybe the market grows for him. Whereas, you know, we are basically on about three weeks of good play from him right now. And, you know, by the time the deadline comes around, who knows? you know, who knows, but, you know, even if he can keep it up until then we have seen stretches of, you know, two or three months of good play from him in the past only for him to disappear and get healthy scratched by multiple coaches and that sort of thing. So one thing that does, like you were mentioning though, that might be different this time, but is the face-offs. Yeah. If you become good at face-offs, then that's a valuable asset. Yeah, absolutely. And to his credit too, I also believe he's playing more defensively responsible than he was. I think his off the puck play has also improved. Mm-hmm. Again, it's hard to say if if any of these things are going to stick. Um, yeah, that's always. Bad. I got. I got to say, the face off stuff seems seems legit to me. But um, you know, you don't see a lot of fluctuation with that. Once a guy improves with on his face offs, they, they they general that that trait generally sticks until like a injury you know, can, can kind of sap it sometimes yeah. like we saw with like Marcus Kruger, but. Yeah, but the thing that's always with Strom, like you said, it's just, will he stay committed and obviously yeah. doesn't have speed. So yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a flawed second line center that, you know, on a team like the Blackhawks, there's some value in having him around, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I, I know I've mentioned it in the past, if you're a good team and he's your second center, that's probably the position that you're looking to upgrade as you go into the playoffs. You know, as you approach the trade deadline, um, you probably want somebody with a little more complete game that, that moves a little better. So I just, I don't know that there's going to be a big trade market for him at the deadline. And if it's comes down to somebody just offering like a fifth round pick, I might as well keep them. I might as well. Yeah. You might as well just keep them. Uh, especially since the Blackhawks aren't exactly overflowing with, with center prospects, um, even though uh, Reichel um, may end up breaking into the NHL as a, as a center. Still yeah, not sure say. if he ends up on the wing, but it, you yeah, know what I mean? Say. He's he, another he, guy you're not sure if he's going to be centered full-time. Right. So, you know, it at least gives them that, that option. And, you know, the same with Kirby Doc, if, you know, if he can – if he can't improve his face-offs at any point, um, you know, do they have to consider moving him to the wing instead as well? Yeah. So it, Strom's at least giving them a little bit of, uh, you know, some options, Yeah, but we'll see. So obviously since we're talking about the um, trade deadline, the uh, big news the past couple of days, the Blackhawks now um, kind of surprisingly are saying they are going to hire a permanent GM before the trade deadline. Like you and I thought probably after the off, like in the off season. So this is a surprise. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that they didn't uh, address it earlier in the year, um, you know, they, they really took their time with the process. Um, 
you know, it sounds like they reached out to the Cubs and I'm assuming they reached out to other teams and other, um, you know, connections that they've made over the years and seem to have asked for some advice. And I would like to think they thoroughly examined their entire organization Mm -hmm. and, you know, decided that, you know, a, a quick fix wasn't going to be uh, possible. And so, you know, again, I, I can only hope that you know, they're, they're, they've already started making systemic changes and then bringing in a new general manager will um, further those efforts along. But, you know, it's hard to say. I do wonder now if maybe their plan was to take the Olympic break mm-hmm. as the point in time when they were going to pursue candidates and conduct interviews and then have that person in place prior to the trade deadline. And, you know, obviously with the Olympic break not happening now, you know, they don't have necessarily have that window, but you don't really need a window for general manager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not quite like the coach or whatever, but I, I do wonder back in my mind if that was the original plan and, you know, the schedule's just kind of changed, but their actual timeline for making a decision hasn't. So we'll see, um, you know, a couple of teams have already hired new general managers within the season. Um, even some teams that fired their general manager after the Blackhawks got rid of Bowman. So, you know, it's definitely not been a quick process, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad process. And I'm actually hopeful that it means, you know, it's good that uh, they, they had to make a lot of changes and they started that process prior to bringing in the general manager because they wanted to have an idea of what the right type of general manager was going to be. So that's my hope anyway. Yes. As far as I know, I haven't seen in the names of any candidates that they've even discussed, you know, nothing's come out publicly. um, All I've heard is that Davidson will be. Yeah. But. Which I think we assumed would be the case that that whether it was the off season or whatever, that he would at least be um, a candidate. But it sounds like from the few things I saw that he's, he's going to be, he'll more likely be retained, but as like an assistant GM again. Right. Which, you know, not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, he's, he was a guy that, you know, has had to step up probably quicker than most people anticipated. Uh, You know, that might make him more likely to uh, stay on in a, in, you know, his previous capacity um, should the new general manager uh, wish it. Um, You know, I, I, I know we talked in the past that Davidson has a pretty good reputation within the org from all reports. So uh, I'm sure the team wants to, to hold on to him um, if, if it's possible, but, you know, until, until the new GM is hired, you know, it's hard to say what, you know, is there going to be a personality conflict or is there going to be a, a, a different vision for what the team's going to be? So we'll see. Yep. All right. I'm trying to think of the other news. I mean, uh, Lankinen continues to have just a very rough season. Like he's out for, um, with a broken hand now. Yeah, I thought that was unfortunate because I thought he played his best game in that in in that final game before he got hurt. Yeah, um, 
I thought, you know, even though the numbers weren't, weren't that great. He kept it being worse then. Yeah. He kept, he kept them in that game, but yeah. So now, you know, Flurry's already been playing a lot. I'm assuming he's going to take all or most of the starts between now and then. I do wonder if maybe um, Soderblom or, or, or Delia just, you know, they throw him to the wolves against the, the avalanche tomorrow or something just to give well, Flurry a little bit of a break. Yeah, they did call Delia up today. Did they? Okay, I didn't see that. So. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious how that'll go, but I do wonder also if that's just they want Soderblom playing and uh, they'd rather have Delia be the one that sits on the bench for two weeks. Because yeah, um, I think Flurry's played like 12 of the last 13 or something. Yeah, and, you know, they're not going to have the Olympic break again, so you don't want him burned out if – they are truly hoping to move him at the, at the deadline. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what uh, the future holds there, but. But the um, left year for, um, for Lankinen, he's just never been able to get in a rhythm. No. And, you know, we probably should have suspected that it was going to be a, a kind of a tough march for him, given the amount of playing time that Flurry was expected to get. And Flurry has taken on that that um you know it hasn't been a 1a and a 1b it's been oh number one and a number two and that's it's it's always difficult for um you know especially a a younger goalie with without a lot of nhl experience to kind of um take on that number two role uh, especially behind a leaky defense as well so yeah tough reason it's it's gonna be a tough position with lincoln because he is an unrestricted free agent um, Soderblom is the only goaltender that they have under contract for next year who's actually played in an NHL game, and he's only got two games experience. So I do wonder if Lankinen is uh, under consideration to return. Mm-hmm. But I also or he might wonder, want you know, I mean, we, we do have, I don't know, what, about 40, 50 games mm-hmm. um, look at him, and he's okay. <laughs> You know, and I mean, he's going to be 20, 27 next year. So, you know, is, is there a lot of room for improvement? I was going to say he's a lot like um, Colin Delia, actually. Yeah. Delia, you know, pretty good. And the more you saw, which I yep. think is the thing with goalies, once people, you know, get a book on them. Stuff, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, it, it, that's going to definitely be one of the more interesting um off-season decisions is where exactly the Blackhawks go because yeah. they're, they're going to have to bring in at least one or two play- yeah. people. Once Flurry leaves, it's yep. completely wide open. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I do get the impression they like Soda Bloom a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they seem to feel he's at least as good as Lankin and if not better, and he's, he's three or four years younger as well. So I, I'm sure they're envisioning him being, part of a goaltender tandem next year but that still means you got to have somebody with experience to pair with them and then you also need to have somebody for the ahl as well mm-hmm. well so, you know they, they say um goalies are easy to find but i don't think they are it 
it's it's pretty easy to find a competent one it's difficult to find one that can be consistently good enough to to kind of carry your team in the playoffs but i i don't worry so much that the the blackhawks season is going to get ruined by having poor goaltending the cop the cop you always make is goalies to running backs in the nfl yeah you know they're 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 very dependent on the team in front of them and you know because you usually have two or three under contract it's it's unusual for all two or three of them to have a bad season and so even if you don't end up relying on the one guy that you expect to rely on usually somebody steps up and at least gives you competence which is kind of like what we saw last year with Lankinen Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he wasn't expected to be the guy and he just happened to be the one that emerged and gave him two or three good months before yep. finally fading a little bit. I mean, I hate, I, mean, I don't want to cast like shade on people that, but, um, like Antony Emmy got the Black Oxford Stanley Cup and it wasn't because he was, um, elite goalie. He was he was an adequate starter. I mean, he remained an adequate starter for for quite a while in the NHL, but you know, he never quite reached you know an elite status, like you said. And you know, you don't need an elite goalie to win a Stanley Cup. You just need a good goalie that gets hot <laughs> at the right time. And uh, you know, Crawford was always really rock solid. Uh, he flirted with being uh you know kind of on the cusp of elite for a few years but i don't know that he ever quite reached the those heights but you know obviously with blackhawks we're able to consistently win with a guy like him he's very good but yeah so yeah so i I don't worry as much about the goaltending um just because there always seems to be you know a couple of guys that you can kind of either get on the cheap, either through, uh, you know, a team looking to unlock, uh, unload somebody's salary who's maybe not performing up to expectations, but you could probably get by with them for a year if you're not trying to compete for the Stanley Cup. Yep, and you can always, um, if you're going on a playoff run, you could always get um, someone on the trade market. Right, so... Uh, I'm I'm fairly confident the Blackhawks can patch it together, if not fix it next year for a while. But yeah, the defense and the offense is the is the bigger is the bigger issue in my mind. For sure. All right. So I didn't know if there's anything else you really wanted to. You know, I don't I don't know that we've you know much happened this week that uh bears you know a, a much in-depth analysis i i think we saw a, a bad team that got beat by three or you know in three games against good teams and you know at least there was a fun game yesterday against you know the the type of back and forth action that we've come to enjoy um, with the blackhawks in previous seasons that's been sorely missed this year yeah it wasn't boring. No. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect a game with thirteen goals to be goal or to with thirteen goals to be boring. Yes, but yeah, no. It, yeah, basically, just you know, they got a wake up call that 
against good teams, they're not good. Yeah, yeah, they're they're currently overmatched. They don't skate as well. They don't play as physically. They don't play as responsibly. And you know, they they're just not able to overcome mistakes like other teams can. And I think I think the Colorado game was a very good example of that. The Blackhawks played structurally sound for most of that game, but one or two mistakes, you know, both teams make one or two mistakes, but the avalanche bury those chances. The Blackhawks were unable to take advantage because, you know, just the, the abs are just a little quicker, mm-hmm. you know, they put a little more pre- pressure on the puck, even after they make a mistake, they, you know, they can recover quicker than the Blackhawks and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, that's, that's really the difference um, between those really good teams and the Blackhawks. It just, yep, there's a, there's a time a few years back where the roles were reversed. And the Absolutely. That could make up for their mistakes. But yep. yep. And that's, you know, that's where we're at, where they, they still got a decent amount of skill, but they lack skating, they lack size, they lack speed. And it shows when they go up against the more elite teams. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So um, next week we'll be back and, you know, it is with the GM um, search moving up. There might be some more activity at the trade deadline than we expected, and so I'm not sure. Maybe that. Yeah, I mean that would certainly give you if, if you've got a, if you have a permanent GM in place. I think it at least opens up the possibility for a Kane or Taves or something along those lines. I still think that's very unlikely, but. I definitely don't think that they were going to make those decisions with an interim GM at the deadline. If there's a permanent GM in place, I do think those conversations can at least be had. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back no matter what. Hopefully we'll have some exciting games. I mean, you know, try beating the avalanche. It'll no one expected. Yeah, we get them at home this time. Maybe that'll make all the difference. I mean, you know, Colorado was on like a 14-game home winning streak or something like that. So What are they like? Have they won like 17 to about 18 games or something? Yeah, something ridiculous. They do, so. Absolutely. I wouldn't mind getting getting a little revenge against Minnesota as well next week. Yeah. So It's always good to beat Minnesota. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Michael on Twitter. MJ underscore Ernst. I'm STH85 and... Yep, we'll be back, you know, uh, subscribe to our podcast on the Apple Podcast app. And yeah, we'll be back next week. And come on, Blackhawks win a couple. Absolutely.